Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, September 28, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page XVI. The first paragraph, beginning with prior to his journey to Akron. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Elizabeth S., The Twelve Traditions, Donna M., and reading the literature for today are Sharon R.S., Du L., and Katie S. The share ID for Sunday, September 27th, our special edition meeting, our speaker was Chelsea H., titled Ineffective Defense. The ism of our illness. The share ID number is 8028. 8028. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Elizabeth S. S. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Santa. This is Elizabeth S. in Alberta, Canada. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, we made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, we continued to take personal inventory and when we are wrong, we promptly admitted it. Eleven, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
and 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsible readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Elizabeth S. I will now ask Donna M. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Donna. Hey, good morning, Santa. Thank you so much for your service. Uh, here's the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one author- ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group ought to be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Donna M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for cheering on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions and the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XVI, the first paragraph, beginning with prior to his journey to Akron. I will ask Sharon R.S. to begin reading. Good morning. Good morning, Santa, and uh, good morning to all on the line. I'm Sharon R.S., 
unrecovered compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here. Prior to his journey to Akron, the broker had worked hard with many alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic could help an alcoholic. But he had succeeded only in keeping himself sober. The broker had gone to Akron on a business venture which had collapsed, leaving him greatly in fear that he might start drinking again. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. That alcoholic turned out to be the Akron physician. So what I was um, in reading in reading this, what we see here is that Bill was living in step 10. Uh, he had gone through all of uh, the uh, earlier uh, inventories, uh, uh, his inventory, and, and had gotten to the point where he was uh, helping other alcoholics and, and was just out to do service. He had entered uh, as we would say, the world of the spirit, as as it's defined on page 84 uh, of the big book. He was growing in understanding and effectiveness. He was out there just working, uh, trying to be of service, living in the recovery program. He, they didn't have the 12 steps at that time, but he was he was um, he had and and it says here that he had only succeeded in keeping himself sober but he was um he was working his his program and this is our first responsibility it's it's not uh a one up proposition it's not that we just get recovered and that's it we have to do this one day at a time and every day for the rest of our lives we work our recovery uh and we do this uh uh, we protect our our recovery, and one of the ways that we do it, it says on page 84, is that we continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And so fear had cropped up in Bill. So what did he do? How does he? How do we handle it when life doesn't go the way we want it? When we feel those old feelings again that we had uh, uh, before we we got our abstinence. What do we do? And what we are told is that uh, is uh, on page 84, it tells us what we do, and it's exactly what Bill did, is that when these crop up, and they're going to crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. So we immediately pray, and I'm sure that Bill did pray. And then it, we discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we had harmed anyone. And then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance is our code. And so he got busy, and that's what Bill did. He got busy. And uh, change always requires action. And this is what Bill did. He followed the, the instructions. He kept his dependence upon God. And he set about trying to help another compulsive overeater or alcoholic in his case. Love and tolerance is our code. The other thing is we cease fighting anything or anyone, including alcohol, including food. He didn't try to fight the feeling. 
he got busy trying to help the next uh, suffering person. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon R.S. And I would like to thank for sharing. Um, just please be mindful of the time when sharing so that everyone who wants to share can do so. And I will say a gentle reminder if you go over the three minutes. And, Charles, I did get you. Who else would like to share on what was read? Kim Z. Larry. Melissa C. Okay, this is who I have so far. I have Charles H., Kim G., and I wasn't sure if it was Lindsay S., Larry K., Melissa C. Is that correct? It's Lynn S. Lynn S. Thank you, Lynn. And anyone else? Angela D. Angela D. I heard Angela D. And who else? Hi, Sonia. Paula D. Paula D. Okay, Charles, you may get us started. Good morning. Good morning, Santa. Thank you for your service. Charles H., a recovered visionary, just for today, just this second. And, um, you know, I can sure identify with uh, Bill, um, you know, um, having some issues, uh, you know, because just because I get recovered don't mean that life ain't going to show up. Don't mean that people ain't going to die, you know, jobs I might lose, things might not go my way, but but by the grace of my higher power, God, right? Um, you know, and, and this passage reminds me, like, you know, being in thin ice don't mean that that I'm in that I'm face down in the food or uh or all liquored up and all that. It don't mean that, but it, it, it means I'm in jeopardy. So, you know, um it strongly suggests throughout this book and, and, and definitely in that passage that I must work with others. Right? Um <clears throat> And it reminds me of the bottom of page 14, top of page 15, where it says, Faith without works is dead. He said, and how appalling true for the alcoholic, for, for if an alcoholic fails to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank again, he would surely die. Then faith without work would be dead indeed. With us, it's just like that. So, you know, it may sound like, you know, and again, listen to me, I play devil's advocate, man. You know, it may sound like, you know, yo, I'm such a nice guy. No, I must do this if I don't, if I want to keep it. What a paradox. I can't keep it unless I give it away. And, you know, like he, thank God he made that trip and thank, you know, thank God it failed because he made that trip and, and helped bring recovery to somebody that says on page 181 or 182, that is a sense of duty. That's one of the four reasons. He said it's a sense of duty. And it's, it's, it's almost, it, well, it's, in, it, it's not, like, certified, but it, it's a sense of duty, and it helps me to stay recovered one day at a time. He was on thin ice. He says it, right? Then, then he says it in Vision for You again in that, in that chapter. He was on thin ice. And you know what? Life shows up, but we can slide off that ice and skate on into life. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. And good morning, Kim G. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. Now, I just want to slam that home. That, that is the key to recovery. 
you know, steps one through 11 is really a preparation for the real work, which is step 12. And step 12 is what's going to keep me in recovery. You know, they're going to slam that home in the next paragraph where it says it also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. You know, I don't know about you, but I want permanent recovery. You know, and I'm going to pick out something from the Bill's story the way that, um, that Charles did. And it's a sentence after he was reading on page 15. It says, I was plagued with waves of self-pity and resentment. This sometimes nearly drove me to drink. But I soon found that when all other measures failed, work with another alcoholic would save the day. You know, we're told on page 89, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. That's a really important message to have. You know, often when I was told when I was feeling a little bit shaky was, no, 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 you have to go to more meetings. You have to make more phone calls. You've got to make a larger gratitude list. That's what's going to keep you sober. The book is telling us over and over again that what's going to keep me in permanent recovery, what's going to allow me to stay abstinent and happy, which was what I wanted. I could stay abstinent for periods of time, but I was miserable. How can I stay abstinent and happy? That was through working with others. You know, one of some of my favorite phone calls is when someone just calls me and wants to go over a chapter or a step because that's an opportunity for me to, to celebrate what this program has given to me. And when it says working with others, we're specifically talking about the steps. You know, if, I'm, if my sponsoring style is simply taking someone's food and how was their day, that is called support, and that is essential, and the fellowship is, does that beautifully. But that is not working with others. Working with others is working the steps with somebody. You know, on page 164, it says, obviously you cannot transmit something you don't have. So our job is to get that message so we can carry it. And what that did for me, when I understood that, it created an urgency to get through these steps. And the wonderful thing is step 12, it says try to carry this message. The benefit that I get is not from whether the message is received. The benefit I get is in carrying the message, which is what this sentence says too, because no one else stayed sober but Bill. Has everyone I worked with stayed abstinent? Absolutely not. But I have stayed abstinent, I have stayed happy, and I have stayed available for the next suffering compulsive overeater. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And good morning, Lynn S. Good morning, everybody on the line. My name is Lynn S. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto. Right now I'm on step five, so that's why I'm using recovering, but I'm working through it. Anyway, I have read this before, and it never hit me, this line. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. And it, it just really hit me, that shift that Bill had from going out and promoting this way of life that he had found that worked for him, but sort of giving it to everybody or pushing it to everybody, but not in order to save himself. It was just something like, this is really exciting, and come and see this recovery, and you too can stop drinking. But that it's such, I wanted to say a subtle shift, but it isn't subtle. It's earth-shattering, because this is what started the whole program of him working with Dr. Bob. And it just, it just really hit me today and the significance of it. And it reminds me on page 20 as well, where it says, our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. 
So I don't really have anything more to add because it's still sinking in what a profound change this was in starting the program. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn S. And good morning, Larry Kay. Good morning, Santa. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, what a theory, right? <laughs> Bill, he, he had a theory. He had, you know, what I believe to be, you know, this sort of divine speculation that, you know, working, working with others would help him stay sober. And, uh, you know, li- I had lots of theories. For example, there was a time I had a theory that, you know, if I trained for a marathon, that would solve my problem. You know, uh, I had lots of theories about diets and all kinds of things, you know, and, and you know what, those theories for someone like me were wrong. It was like the null hypothesis, the opposite, you know, um, was proven to be true. For me, it was important to be uh, restored to sanity before I had a true message of hope to carry and completing these 12 steps, uh, which is the program of action you know, results in a, you know, has a specific result. We're restored to sanity. And now I have a responsibility to carry this message to the still suffering compulsive overeater. And this is a, you know, for me, a beautiful privilege, you know, and and we're uniquely qualified to gain the confidence of others, right? I mean, you know, you know, others who are sinking in the quicksand because I used to be sink, you know, sinking in the quicksand. I was once one of the the, the walking zombies um, and someone, you know, uh, maybe who was on thin ice, I don't know, but someone uh, worked intensely with me. They carried the message to me and that person is still sober and, and I'm no longer among the walking dead. You know, it's miraculous. So there Bill was, you know, on thin ice and, and, you know, we learned the big book practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. You know, this is our our 12th suggestion. And um, I've heard it said that, you know, to those who know, no explanation is required. And to those who don't know yet, you know, no explanation is sufficient. And that was me. Um, Until I was brought into alignment with my higher power as a result of these steps, I didn't truly understand. And it wasn't that I was dumb. I just hadn't experienced it yet. The program of action had not been, you know, consummated, hadn't been completed by me. And so the the essence of it had not permeated my soul yet. And so any any confidence, you know, I have today about this program doesn't come from me. It's 100% from God. I I believe that. And I'm not wishy-washy about it when I carry this message because I've seen what God can do <clears throat> with a seemingly hopeless problem like this. You know, thank you, God. Anyways, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And good morning, Melissa C. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me okay? I hear you perfectly. Go right ahead. Great, great, great. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, You know, what brings to mind to me is how frothy emotional peel, you know, does nothing um, to help a compulsive overeater or the alcoholic. That, you know, was meaningless. Um, But work with another, you know, another person carrying the message has been incredibly effective. And, you know, the other thing that um, 
I'm thinking about this morning is how, you know, the idea of working with others for me is very appealing. I'm a teacher. That's my occupation. And so um, I love to teach and to share my knowledge and, you know, but as teachers, um, as a teacher, I've been trained to um, always reflect on my delivery of the instruction. And so in my education, it's been, well, if somebody's not getting it, you must surely change your approach. And this does not say this at all. You know, that is not what we hear um, or what I hear in the big book. It is, um, I am powerless, certainly to my disease and certainly to anybody else's disease. And so my recovery is not dependent on getting other people recovered. Um, that would be, you know, wonderful, but my ego has been leveled today. And so I realized I don't have that ability. My recovery is dependent on just carrying the message. And so the people that I've worked with, some have been brought to recover, and that's incredible, and then they can continue to carry the message as well, and others have not yet, <laughs> and so perhaps the disease is not done doing the convincing, and my ego has to stay right size, and I have to stay recovered myself and not lose sight, um, you know, of the important work I have to do for me, and then in just continuing to carry the message, and um, thank you with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And good morning, Angela D. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, Angela D. from Upper Westchester. You know, this just happened to me yesterday. This is really unbelievable. We're, we read this passage last week. But I had a situation yesterday where I had to make an amends to someone I haven't seen in five years. Right? And I tried to track this person down, but I had no luck in tracking this person down. So what happens is when I saw that person, I became fearful. And I remember what these, this wonderful book, this book that leads my life through a power greater than me, that false evidence appearing real ain't going to happen because I have to make an amends here. Okay? So I went outside of the building where I was. I made a phone call to someone that is doing the steps, and I carried the message to this person. All right. Before I came back in, I, I asked my higher power to help me get rid of my fear. Now, it says on, on page 85, you can't rest on your own laurels with this, Angela. It ain't going to happen. You're in a new dimension now. You've got a new life. You have God and his grace steps. So I had to go back in and make an amends to this person. I did what my sponsor told me to do. All right, I made an amends to this person, but this she didn't accept it. That's okay. I cleaned my side of the street. I had to do that. All right, but I wasn't going to let that false evidence appearing real work. No, it's not going to. It's under my feet because the program is going to teach me how to live each day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Angela D. And good morning, Paula D. And good morning, Sancha. And thank you very much for your service today, this fine Monday. And my name is Paula D. And I am a compulsive reader today, recovered by the grace of God. I'm going to go right to this line here. You know, at first I saw it, and it was a little bit of a confusion to me, and uh, since I'm the one speaking, prior to his journey to Akron, the broker had worked hard 
Guy, the man worked hard with many alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic could help an alcoholic. Motives were good. He didn't have all the pieces. But look at what happened once all the pieces were put together. Oh, physical allergy, mental obsession. But I want to go down here, and I'm going to scoot on down too. As someone shared on, he suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. Well, you say it sounds the same. No, it isn't. You ask me to pray for a job, and I'll pray for you. Lord knows I'll pray for you. Then you call me and you say, pray for my child, Paula. Something changes. The intensity changes. You know, we have a page here on 154. It goes right into this story. He was on thin ice. See, you can be on ice. Oh, you'll skid along, but you're on ice. But it's solid. But wait, he was on thin ice. And this is on 154. Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink, with a shiver. He turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Something changed. He'd been sober six months. He didn't know about the disease. Something happened there, as it did here. He suddenly realized, this is more than in order to save myself for what? You know, each time we work with someone, this here opens up the door. They go out. I had the opportunity to be at a meeting that one of my sponsees started in this area. And this isn't the first. Do you see what's happening? And Bob. We're talking about Dr. Bob here. There we go. And it goes on. But he knew. and He understood finally the depth. Save myself. Save myself for what? Not just me anymore. For others. With that, I do pass mindful of the time. And I thank you all. Thank you, Paula D. We are on page XVI, paragraph number one. Who else would like to comment before we move on to the next paragraph? Rosalind C. This is Eddie W. from Central New York I'd like to share. Was that Amy E. I heard? Yes, it was. Santa, hi. Eddie W.? Yes. And Vasa O. Okay. Rosalind C. Go ahead. You're up first. Good morning, Rosalind. Thank you, Santa. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Good morning. This is Rosalind C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Ohio. I also like to hone in on um, that word theor- uh, theory. And I looked that up while we were, where others were discussing it. And it says um, an ideal that is suggested or presented as possibly true, but that it is not known or proven. And Bill's aha moment came when he suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. Wow. Um, I can relate to that because my aha moment came when I transitioned from that ideal to a purpose. And that purpose became evident the closer I came through the program, the closer I got away from the food being the issue, and the closer I got to understanding the power that was greater than me, my aha moment came that I needed to work with others. Wow, it was just mind-blowing, the tenacity to get through, to get to the other end, and to now be of service to others. 
And uh, I just wanted to hone in on that because in, up until that point, it was just a theory. And now it became a purpose, and that's my purpose now today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rosalind C. And good morning, Amy E. And Betty W., you'll be next. Thank you, Sasha. This is Amy E., gratefully recovering in northwestern Ohio. Uh, I'd like to piggyback off of what Melissa C. was saying about um, our approach. My feeling is the message doesn't change, right? And the message that we're carrying to the unrecovered compulsive overeater is that uh, there there is a solution and it's a spiritual one. It's not based in the physical. It's not based on any diet. It's not scientific. It's spiritual uh, method uh, with very practical application. Um, But I may need to amend my approach depending on the person, right? And it reminds us this um, in uh, the chapter on working with others, that with some people who are already very God-centered, we can freely emphasize the spiritual nature of our solution, right? Right. Dr. Bob was already an active member in the Oxford group and seeking to stay sober through Oxford principles. It just wasn't working for him. He was surrounded with a bunch of non-alcoholics who were all praying to try and get him sober. Um, The missing link was that talk with somebody who understood his problem. That was where Bill came in. Um, Bill also emphasized the fatal nature of the malady, which Dr. Bob didn't know. Uh, that's also information that we carry to people who may not know that this is a fatal disease, it's a progressive illness. It's not just once I figure my emotional life out, I'm going to stop the need to binge on cake. Uh, it's a, it's a, there's a physical allergy, too. He also carried, sometimes we need to stress that with uh, the people that we uh, are working with. So, uh, depend, and it also reminded us in working with others that we need to really find out as much as we can of um, the person we're working with, the newcomer. What's going on with them? What has been their history with compulsive overeating? Where are they at in their life? Are they anorexic? Are they morbidly obese? Um, are they exercise addicts? Do they abuse laxatives? You know, we, we need to incorporate all of this and find out a little bit about them. And, of course, the key ingredient between Dr. Bob and Bill W. in that moment that no one could have planned for was the grace of God and the willingness, the willingness of Dr. Bob to hear that message, to have that seed be planted, that message of hope that Bill carried with him. I'm so grateful to AA. I'm so grateful to OA and grateful to be absent today. I pass. Thank you, Amy E. And Betty W. and Vasa O., you'll be next. Good morning, Betty. Hi, Sasha. This is Betty W. Um, uh, Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for your service in leading the meeting and all of the friends who are on the line and have shared their wisdom with me today so far. Um, I wanted to relate to... Uh, that sentence, uh, he suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. Yesterday, I needed to save myself. I was at my place of spiritual worship, and uh, I, uh, a friend came over to talk to me, and um, she knows I'm dealing with an illness, and she said, how are you doing? I said, I'm really doing okay, 
but I'm gaining weight from a steroid that I'm on. And in the past, I would not have said anything because I wanted to look perfect and present a false self. And she said, Betty, but you're so slim. And I said to her, um, and I know she's um, morbidly obese, and I said to her, but I I haven't always been this way. I uh, was a morbidly obese little girl, and um, all during my adulthood I was, you know, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, until I came into OA and found and, and was offered a way of um, eating that was a whole new lifestyle. And actually, I'm maintaining my abstinence now because of uh, a vision for you and what I've learned from these meetings and from the big book. And so I realized that I needed to talk to somebody about this yesterday, and I spoke to my sponsor about it again this morning, my vision for you sponsor, and another wonderful hookup this morning. And um, I know I had to get that out of my heart and head because I wouldn't be available to anyone I love or who God puts in my life today. And I feel so much better about it. So I realized that my higher power used my fear to maybe carry the message to someone else because my friend said, I'd really like to talk to you more about what you're doing. And... um, And so I had the opportunity to share my program, and it was all from God because I hadn't planned to do that. And so I'm so grateful that we're reading this passage today because um, and grateful to Bill W. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Betty W. And good morning, Vasa O. Yes, good morning, Santa, and good morning, everyone. I'm grateful to be here with all of you. And this is a beautiful paragraph we just read. And it tells us exactly what we need to do. And I am I, I could not ever I couldn't not um okay, hold one second please. It says here he suddenly realized that in order to save himself he must carry his message to another alcoholic. <clears throat> I am I'm so grateful that God had sent a messenger to my house to carry the message to me of the of Overeaters Anonymous and the Twelve Steps and and the Big Book and I could not carry the message until I see received the message and again I number one I needed to find a power greater than myself to help me in that area and then. My sponsor that had been recovering for a while and uh, twelve stepped me and uh, in order for me to save my life, I needed God number one to help me, and then I needed other people I can give it away, like my sponsor suggested for me. She said, "There's nothing that I want for you from from you, Vas, I just want you to give it away." And uh, and that's what I do, and I give it away with love and joy, and and to have love and tolerance for people that are not ready to get the message yet. And uh, I'm just so so grateful to be here with all of you. And I pass. Thank you, Vasa O, and thank you to everyone for being respectful of the time. 
I'm now going to ask Du L to read the next paragraph, please. Good morning, Du. Morning. Um, this is this physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. But when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never before been able to muster. He sobered never to drink again, but up to the moment of his death in 1950. This seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. It, could also indi- it, it also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. Wow. Um, this is Du um, L, Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. And I'm grateful for the solution today. And, you know, it's funny because here um, Dr. Bob had the spiritual solution. He had the the means of the spiritual solution, but he didn't know what the problem was. And it wasn't until he identified the problem that he can apply the solution the way it's meant to be. And one of the things I see is that, you know, even with my own experience, um, you know, being uh, someone that, that was religious at times and went to church and, um, you know, kind of like uh, I, I remember going to church and, and knowing that, God was saying to me, don't be a drunk, don't be a glutton. And I kept asking, but how? How do I do this? I don't have any means to, to do this because it seems like I want to follow those directives, but something happens to me that I'm not able to. And thank God for the grace in this program um, because I found out what my problem was, just like Dr. Bob found out what his problem was, which was he had an allergy of body, and an obsession of the mind. So something physically was happening to him when he introduced that alcohol, just like something happens to me when I introduce those binge food ingredients, those particular ingredients that caused me an allergy to break out wanting more and more. But not only that, but the the obsession of the mind that I believe the lie that I could go back to those foods, that I could be like a normal eater, and that, you know, I buy into the lie all the time, you know, and the justification, the alibis, and the excuses to get back to the food. So I had to understand that my body and my mind were different than a normal eater. And once I got that, then I could apply the solution, which is God, which is this higher power that gives me the strength to overcome those thoughts that gives me the strength to put down the food and keep it down. And then it says that he never drank again, you know, to the moment of his death. He's sober. So that that indicates that there's permanent recovery. It's lasting recovery. It doesn't mean we're cured. It doesn't mean we're fixed. It means that it lasts till the day we die, you know, if we keep up with the spiritual solution. And then just um, lastly, it says that I had to do something. I had to, once I got the solution, once I got this, then I was to work with others in strenuous work. And I love what um, Dr. Bob talks about on page 180, which I'm going to go very quickly there. 
Um, and it talks about that because of his gratitude, uh, he says, I spent a great deal of time passing on what I learned to others who want and need it badly. I do it for four reasons. A sense of duty is a pleasure because in doing so, I'm paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me. Because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against all possible slits. And that's how I work my program today. And thank you, God, for, for this program. With that, I pass. Thank you, do And who would like to comment on that paragraph? Renata. Reva P. Renata. I can tell you what I got. I heard Renata. I heard Melissa C. I'm sorry. I heard Renata. I heard Sarah W. And that's all. Who else? Elizabeth Alice L. Reva P. Reva P. I heard. Carolyn M. Carolyn M. H. H. And Elizabeth? Yeah, M. M. Okay. Alice, okay, this is what And Alice M. Alice, if we have time, but I'm going to put you down. Okay, I have Renata G., Sarah W., Reva P., Carolyn H., Melissa M., and I mean, Elizabeth M., and Melissa M. Okay, Renata G., go right ahead. Good morning to you. Good morning, Santa. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G. Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. I want to focus on, you know, this physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. But when the broker gave him Dr. Stilford's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his knowledge with a willingness he had never before being able to muster. And so, you know, like Drew was saying, Dr. Bob was in touch with the solution. You know, he was working the spiritual program. Um, you know, the, he was living the spiritual principles, but it had no effect. You know, he had to learn from Bill the, the fatal nature of this disease, you know, that we have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. Um, you know, in the doctor's opinion, I don't have the book in front of me, so I don't know the page, but, you know, it says, Dr. Stukworth says very clearly that, you know, it is imperative that a man's brain be clear before his approach, his approach with uh, uh, what we have to offer, which are what? The, the 12 steps, right? The spiritual program of action, you know, uh, because if I'm trying to work this program drunk on food, I can work all the steps like 500 times. It's not going to take an effect. And Dr. Bob was living proof of it, you know, because he was involved with the Oxford group, which is the same method that worked for Bill W. But he didn't know he had to be abstinent, completely abstinent, before he started working the steps. And, you know, in Overeaters Anonymous, we need to find out what are the foods that are alcoholic to us. Because, you know, if you're an alcoholic and you go to AA, it's very simple. Okay, alcohol, done. Alcohol, down, right? But here, I need to figure, like, what are the foods that I go to for ease and comfort? What are the foods that I use as a solution to all my problems? Now, because if food's still my solution, why do I need a power to restore me to sanity? 
Why do I need a power greater than myself? Why do I need the steps? I don't. You know, if every time I feel uncomfortable, if I feel sad or pain or overexcited or whatever, I go to the food to numb out, to have that ah, oh, that ease and comfort, then why would I need a higher power? I, do, I won't ever rely on a higher power. And so, you know, the first thing here, like this makes it very clear for me that if I don't have all my binge foods, all my trigger foods, the volume in my case, down, you know, I can work the steps as much as I want. They're not going to have the effect they're supposed to have. It's like an alcoholic trying to work the steps, being drunk. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Renata G. Sarah W. And Riva P., you'll be next. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Santa. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, a vision for you, all my friends, family. Uh, Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I really um, got a lot. There's there's a lot to this paragraph uh, if we really dissect it. But the thought that came to me uh, lately uh, when I work with others is that the further I get away from truly binging uh, and that out-of-control feeling, you know, that being in that uh, deep, dark well that I go down into. Um, and I was speaking to somebody yesterday and thinking about the whirling dervish. Uh, the more I forget what it really felt like and how horrible it is and how lonely it is and how destructive it is and how overpoweringly hopeless we feel. And I think the idea came into my head when we were when I was listening this morning that... Um, I have to hit enough of a bottom to really want to change. And as a person that sponsors or as a person that's coming in, uh, we have to have enough desire uh, and willingness to really want to change everything about our life because really that's what happens. And I was thinking about the word serenity, which I think is what you know we all kind of strive for or are looking for. That relationship with a higher power provides that serenity. But the things that offer it are gratitude and acceptance, and it's through working with others that I'm able to have gratitude. You know, I've been there. I know your pain. I know how it feels. And the acceptance of forever I know, every time I work with somebody else, this is who I am. It doesn't change. I am still a compulsive overeater and will always be. And I guess the last thing I would say is that there really, truly is hope. You know, somebody said to me last night that's really struggling, she said, you know, I just don't know, you know, you know, can this change? And yes, it can. It does. As other people uh, talked about, we don't get perfect. We always have a fear that comes up or a selfishness that comes up, but we learn how to deal with it. We learn how to live life on life's terms, and that is the beauty of the whole thing. And as the last sentence says, it also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. And I have been in the, in the midst of a horrible relapse. I know what it feels like. And, and it really, we can come out of that. We just have to keep on coming back. Don't leave and keep on working with somebody and trying to understand how to work your steps and trust that it will come. And with that, I pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Sarah W. And Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. This paragraph um, speaks to me about the twofold nature of my illness, and I need to understand um, the physical allergy and the obsession of the mind. And if I'm not um, working those two aspects, I cannot have permanent recovery. Um, And that also uh, reminds me that before I can actually get any guidance through a sponsor, a fellow OA, um, my my higher power, I need to be sober with the food. Um, and I know people often share that they're, you know, more serene, but they're still in the food. And I know, you know what, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how blocked I was. I didn't know how numbed out I was until I got detoxed. And if I want the promises of this program and the transformation that comes with it, I need to first get the physical allergy out of the way. Um, And as was shared, you know, figure out what are my uh, binge foods and and what sets up that physical allergy. Then, um, as was shown here, you know, it proved. We've already proven it. I don't need to do more research in this program. Um, It's been proven, and I see people who go out and come back and, you know, they, they... bring back the results of more research. You know, we, we need to work both these aspects. And then this part of the spiritual solution, strenuous work, and I'm now realizing that what is the work? The work is the 12 steps. The work is not counseling. The work is not, um, you know, all the hugging, which is are lovely, but um, it's, it's working the steps if I want permanent recovery, permanent and vital, which means it's vital for my life because this program gives me a life. Um, and I'm so grateful these past few days have been challenging. Um, but you know what? It's not always fun and it's not always nirvana. Um, but I get through and I get through with a power greater than myself. Um, and of course, keeping the food in its place. Um, with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. We have one minute. Carolyn H., would you like to take that one minute and be our last year for today? Or do you want to wait for the second hour? Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is Carolyn H. from Massachusetts. And, you know, I tell my sponsees, the longest distance you'll ever have to travel is the 18 inches between your head and heart. And I say that because we can have a wealth of knowledge in our head, but if we can't make that total connection with our spiritual sense, then it's never going to work. And it takes a long time to figure out how to make that part work. It took me 24 years. With that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn H. And Elizabeth M. and Alice M., please stay with us for the second hour. It's coming right up. We certainly want to hear you share. And thank you to everyone who has shared today. Please join us for the second hour coming up immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Katie F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Stand in yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until